That is completely available to every one of us here today. And I think God wants to show us that through this story. Would you lay your Bibles down, lift your hands to heaven, and let's ask the Lord to help us right now. Lift up your voice. Pray with me. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you. God, you have been so good to us. God, you have blessed us. The opportunity and the privilege we have to come together and to worship you. And you've been here in such a powerful way. We felt your presence as we worship you. You've enthroned yourself and made your throne and your presence known in the praise and worship of the people of God. Now, Lord, we pray, Jesus, that you would open up our minds, open up our hearts, speak, God, these finite words that come out of a mouth. And God, let them explode into a spiritual experience and revelation. God, that is absolutely fit for every single individual in this place. Come on, would you pray that prayer? God, speak to me about me today. God, I know he's only going to say so many words, but you can make those words resonate in me exactly to what it needs to be for what I'm going through and what I need in the name of Jesus. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and let's praise him together. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, O oh Lord. Lord bless you. You can be seated this morning. I want uh, to set the tone for what I want to preach about for a little while. I, I want to preach to you about being well in a worn world. Being well. Look at somebody around you right now and tell them, I wish you well. Come on, tell them. I hope you are well. I want you to be well. I want you to, to set the tone a little bit. I want you to think in context of the own, your own timeline in your life. I mean, there are, there are young people here, there are older people. We've all represent different spans of life. Some folks have been around for decades, a few decades. Some folks have been around for more than a few decades. So you've got a lot of context to consider. Think for me, with me just for a moment, how different now is versus then, whenever your then was whether it was 16 years ago or 56 years ago. Think how different things are now than they used to be, how things have evolved. I was, I was talking to a, a younger person not too long ago, and I'd said something about dialing on the phone. I was referring to this rotary, and they're like, well, what's that? What do you mean? They didn't even get when I did a circle like this, and I said something about dialing. Come on, all you older folks, do you know what that means? Literally, we've got young people right now that don't even know they don't even understand that context. It used to be when you got on a phone, you had to dial and you hated phone numbers with zero, right? Because you had to wait for it to get all the way back around before you could dial. Phones have changed. Now, man, they're in our hip pocket. They're everywhere. They're right with us. We don't even have to dial anything. We just hit buttons. We hit buttons. And somebody asked me, what's your daughter's phone number the other day? I said, I don't know. She's number three on my favorites list, all right? That's what I can tell you. She's number three. I had to look it up. Things have changed. Technology has changed. I still remember as a young man when it was a brand new thing for us to get a microwave. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody remember when microwaves came out? Was that not amazing? <laughs> I mean, things that took hours in the oven now just took a few minutes in the microwave but now we don't even microwaves kind of fell off right we got the air fryers now come on somebody hallelujah anybody thankful for your air fryer amen amen yay and verily you're 
Air fryers are amazing. I got in a conversation with my nephew, or not my nephew, my, my, my neighbor the other day, and he was told, we got, I don't know how we got on air fryers. I said, man, you don't have an air fryer? And you would have thought I was selling the thing. I said, you've got to get you an air fryer. And we were going through brands, and I was looking it up online saying, look, they're right here. They get, get them at Walmart. You've got to get you one. Things have changed, haven't they? Microwaves, air fryers, cars are different. Can you imagine some of you older folks, now you younger folks, you, you just have to listen here. Some of you older folks, can you imagine the gas guzzlers that you used to drive when you were young? What it would cost you right now to run that car. Inflation literally kill you. It'd take food out of your mouth to run those cars. Things have changed. They've got cars now that can run miles and miles and miles and miles on just a little bit of gas. And now even electric cars that take even less. Things have changed. But here's what I've observed, and tell me if you feel the same. That in all of our efforts to make things better as a race, as, as human beings on this planet, with all the efforts and all the advances in technology that have made things more convenient, made things more compatible, compatible, made things even more comfortable. And all of those efforts, as things escalated with, with, with stuff and technology, the soul of man seems to have gotten worse and worse and worse. More comfortable, more convenient, but further away from peace and further away from wholeness in ourselves. More comfortable, more convenient, but further and further away from God and the truth. I don't know about you, but I've seen that in my lifetime. I've, I've seen that in this country and I've seen that in this world in my 52 years. I, I, I look back at my childhood and I can't believe, I wish, anybody with me, I wish we could go back. I wish we could go back to how some things were in my childhood. I wish we could go back to that peace that, or at least more of that peace that used to be there. I know it wasn't perfect, but it's worse now. Things are worse. The world is not just different, it's worse. And not just nationally, but across the globe. Peace and safety seem to have worn out its welcome in this world. It's as if nobody wants it truly anymore. The Romans tells us that against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse because of the man of sin. But with eager hope, creation itself looks forward to the day when they join God's children in the glorious freedom from death and decay instead of sliding down into the abyss this world is heading to. He said, for we know that all creation has been growing as in the pains of childbirth right up unto this present time. This world is rocking and reeling and it is convulsing because things are getting worse. Murder, all-time high. Riots. It is just a, an average thing that happens. It used to be a big deal. Now it seems to happen every other day in some city, some place, or some quarter. Overdoses. Overdoses. Fentanyl, the fentanyl epidemic is absolutely out of control. In, they don't even know. This world doesn't even know what to do with it. Addiction, all-time high. Mental health is absolutely out of control. And this world seems to sell its soul. 
for a pipe dream of something that it is calling better, especially in the social world. It reminds me of how Jesus prophesied what I believe are the days that we're living in right now. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed it all. We're living in those days that Jesus talked about. This world is wrapping up. I don't know if you know it or not, but this world is wrapping up. And as it was then, it is now. And you know how it was then? God was so upset with what the world was doing that he said he was sorry that he had ever made man. That God saw the wickedness of man, that it was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was on evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved his heart. That's how it was in the days of Noah. But in that worn world of Noah's day, God made a way. There's a beautiful verse of light that streams out in that darkness in Genesis 6, chapter chapter 6, verse 8, where it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Here's what I want to preach to you today, that God has always made a way to the light in the middle of the darkness. In fact, the more dark it got, the greater his light becomes. And really, that's what our text is all about. It's an illustration. It's an allegory. This unnamed woman took strategic, definite steps toward Jesus and wellness in her own life in a worn world around her. She decided that nothing else was more important. She decided that nothing else held priority. That if anything was going to change in her world, that she was going to have to press through the worn world around her and get to Jesus. Somewhere she decided, look at me right now, somewhere she decided that Jesus was the answer to everything. That nothing else was going to work. I'm trying to preach to somebody and bring you to that same place that that woman got. I don't know when it happened. We don't know. From the story of what we see in the text, we don't know when it happened, but somewhere something clicked in her mind and she decided, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what I've got to do. The only answer is Jesus and I'm going to get to where he's at. He's my only hope. I'm here to preach to somebody and tell you, yes, this world is worn and yes, this world is dark, but there's still hope. There's still grace. There's still salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. And all it takes is for something to click in your life that says this is the answer. This is the answer. It's what her text is all about. This, she took these strategic definite steps. And, and I'm guessing if you follow this recipe and I follow this recipe, that our faith will work in this worn world too. That for your body, for your obstacle, for your salvation, for your help, for your loneliness, for your desperation, for your heartache, for your suffering, for your emptiness, for your direction, that there is hope in the middle of this dark world. And I think that's why this story is in here. I, I, yes, it tells the great miracle power of Jesus, but I think it's in here, not just once, but three out of the four gospels. It's as if Jesus is saying to us, this is how you do it. 
This is how you get to me. This is how you get to your salvation. This is how you get to your answer. This is how you get to well in a worn world. Let me share the first thing that I think gets us there. The first thing is this. She eliminated things that made it worse. This woman decided there are certain things that are making my condition worse. The Bible says in Mark chapter five, verse 26, that she had suffered many things of many physicians. She had spent all, this is important, all that she had and was none bettered, nothing bettered, but rather she grew worse. It wasn't just that it didn't work. It was as if that she got worse. Her current circumstance got worse. It wasn't just that she spent money and it did nothing. Her condition slid down further than it was before. You remember last week, and I realize I'm a little bit of a broken record. If you were here last week, you're like, Pastor, you're kind of hidden down this road again. I can't help it. I got to obey and do and say what the Lord tells me to say. I remember when we were talking about weights and sins. Remember I told you we're not as stupid as we think we are. We really know what keeps us away from Jesus. We really know what keeps us away from making commitment to him. No wonder the scripture tells us we're to lay aside every weight and every sin. And it says that those things so easily beset us. They so easily sidetrack us and set us aside and run with patience the race that is set before us. Let me ask somebody here today under the sound of my voice, how many things have you tried? How many conditions have you went through? How many solutions have you put forth? How many times have you spent? Or how many things will you try before you try something that really works? How much money have you spent to find happiness, to fill the hole? How much time have you spent to try and figure out how you're going to feel well about the life that you're living? How much will you invest in things that just make it worse? It seems like it's a well-worn path to try everything before you tried Jesus. We've even created songs about that. We've even said, when you've tried it all, try Jesus. Here's what I'm gonna preach to you. Why? Why do you have to get to the bottom before you try Jesus? Why do you have to lose everything before you try something that works? I'm here to try to shortcut this thing for you and tell you, you don't have to lose it all. You don't have to spend it all. You don't have to hit rock bottom. You can turn to him today. Things can change. Oh, hallelujah. Things could change today. Look at somebody and say, you don't have to lose everything. Doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to hit rock bottom. She eliminated things that made it worse. And she focused on the one thing that she knew was going to make it better. The second thing that she did is she got close enough to touch him. We have, a, we have this thing. We like long distance relationships with Jesus. You know, we don't want him to get too close. We like him at arm's length, you know, and when he gets a little bit too close, we get uncomfortable because then he starts prodding in our lives. Hello. Then he starts telling us the things that are not like him and that's uncomfortable and, and we like some of those things that, that are not like him. And so we keep, Christianity says, let's just keep him far and let me just go to church. Let me go to church and check the box. Let me just do enough so I can get rid of my guilty conscience. Let me tell you, you can do that if you want to, but you're eventually gonna run into something in your life that needs more than just a casual relationship with Jesus. You're eventually gonna run into a time where 
Nothing else is going to do it. There's no other answer. There's no other solution. I'm telling you, when you know him and you're close to him, he's as close as the mention of his name. You need a relationship that you can breathe the name Jesus. And he's right there. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, look, you just need to get a little bit closer. I don't care who you are. Come on, tell them. You need to get a little bit closer. I I feel like as a pastor, I'm a broken record. This ends up in way too many sermons maybe, but far away always fails. Jesus, if you look at at the terminology that Jesus, you know, it's, it's, it's everywhere. He speaks in John 7, 37, last day of the great feast. Jesus stood and cried. He said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. Get close. Principles of God's word bring promise. He, James speaks and preaches from chapter four and he says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. Well, well people will think that, that I'm fanatical and, and people will think that you know I'm going too far. Who cares what people think? I think I need to get rid of what everybody else thinks at this point. I think I need to worry about one person. I need to know, God, what do you think? I don't care what my neighbors think. I don't care what my family thinks. I don't care what my friends think. I know this. I've got a well and this in my life that I need. And it doesn't matter if my husband agrees. It doesn't matter if my wife agrees. It doesn't matter if my kids agree. Come on, somebody. Do you feel that way right now? If everybody else falls up, I refuse because I I've decided this is right. I'm going to stay close enough to touch him. Come on. I dare somebody. Why don't you in your mind take a step today and get a little bit closer? I don't know. Let me, let me just do a little poll. How many of you, when you step closer to God, said, oh, that wasn't worth it? I need somebody to wave your hand. Come on, I, I just want to check this out. How many of you, when you finally gave in and gave God, and you got to the end of that rope and found out it wasn't worth it? Not one person. Every time you stepped to him, come on, that's why, here's a good song. That's why it's sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. My relationship doesn't get worse. It gets better. The closer. Yes. Closer that I get. There's a force that is pulling you that gets stronger the further you get away. This world is like, it's like a magnet and the people on the edge get sucked into its vortex. But when you're in the middle, that force can't touch you. Safety and strength and balance are in the middle of a relationship with God. She got close enough to touch him. Let me tell you the third thing she did. She pressed through her world. She had a crowd to get through. Anybody see that in there? She had a crowd. And there was all kinds of people, all kinds of noise. It was almost like a riot. But she needed a touch. So it didn't matter to her. Behold, the woman was diseased with that issue of blood. Twelve years she came behind him. She touched the hem of his garment. She was crazy enough to keep pressing through her culture to Jesus. She was, she was, let me, okay, let me say it this way. She was desperate enough. 
Have you ever noticed, read through the Bible, it's the desperate people that get God's attention. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, the casual people, they may get in his vicinity once in a while, but people who are desperate to know him and hungry to see him and to feel him and to experience him, it's those folks that get Jesus' attention. Read through and you'll find that. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. How? Why? To show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards them. This great, Mark said it this way, a great crowd kept following him and pressed him from all sides. In fact, one translation said almost so much as to suffocate him. But when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. She pressed through that culture. She pressed through that world because what was in the middle of it, she didn't allow herself to be distracted. I'm trying to preach to you this way because I think it's harder to press today than it's ever been. It's not that Jesus isn't available. It's that this world is doing a great job at deceiving people and it's getting harder to get to Jesus. You don't like that, do you? Someone says, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Well, let me, let me just tell you how amazing it was, how amazingly prophetic that Paul was when he spoke to Timothy in his second letter. It's his swan song. He's getting ready to go on. He's getting ready to be a, a, a martyr for Christ, and he's giving instruction to his protege to take up the work and the gauntlet, he's take up the, the scepter and go ahead with the work of the Lord. And he's speaking to him in this, and, and he gets to chapter three, what we call chapter three, and he says, this is, I want you to understand also, and all that I'm telling you, Peter, or T Timothy, I want you to understand also that in the last day, perilous times shall come. Another version says, understand this, in the last days will come times of difficulty. Another even says, understand this, in the last days will come and set in perilous times of great stress and trouble and hard to deal with and hard to bear. The one that caught my attention the most was one translation where Paul says this, Timothy, in the last days, it's going to be very hard to be a Christian. It's going to be hard to do the things you know to do. Why? Because of the weight of the people around you and the spirits around you that you've got to press through. Well, what, what are those things? He said, well, I'm going to tell you what they are. Men will be lovers of their own selves. They'll be covetous and boasters and proud and blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful unholy. The culture you're going to have to press through won't have natural affection. They'll lack compassion. They'll be liars. They'll be false accusers. They'll be fierce and despisers, sneering at those that even want to do good. They'll be betray one another. They'll be proud and high-minded and lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. There'll be people that'll go to church, but they won't listen to a word that the pastor says because they've got another doctrine that they've decided in their mind. He said, that's what those last days are going to look at. That's what we're pressing through right now, folks. We're pressing through a world that's trying to deceive even the very elect. But I'm preaching to this church and telling you from such turn away, there's a God as real as he was when he filled me with the Holy Ghost at eight years old. He's still just as real today. He's still saving. He's still working. He's still healing. And he's worth pressing through. I know it's getting harder. 
Did you hear me? I know it's getting harder. I know you're fighting more, but the scripture's still true. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, clap your hands if you believe it right now. She decided in her mind, I'm going to press through. I'm going to press through. What's on the other end of this journey is worth the press. Last thing I'll tell you is that she changed the way that she thought. The Bible literally tells us this woman talked to herself. Now, in general, we call that crazy. Anybody with me? Walking down the street. Where was that? Didn't matter where it was. My wife and I were walking down the street. And this man was walking to us. It was in a metro area. He's just going, just gibberish. The closer he got, the tighter my wife held on to me. And I, I wanted to be the real man and say, don't you worry, baby, I got it. But he is big. So I did, I did a little bit of praying, Brother Nate. I did a little bit of praying. He just walked on past. Well, people that talk to themselves are crazy, right? Depends on the conversation. Because all of us are just a little bit crazy. It's called, a lot of times, thinking. And most of the time, it's in our head, but sometimes it comes out of our mouth. And, and you need to understand today, and me also, that what we think is the beginning and ending of every battle and challenge in our life. What we think matters. The Bible tells us, this is such a powerful scripture, for she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Woo! I wish I'd get a church full of women, a church full of men, a church full of children that said, you know what? I don't know about all the rest of this, but I know this. If I can touch him, everything's going to be all right. I don't know about what's going on in my marriage right now, but I do know this. If I can get little sweetheart and me to Jesus, everything will be all right. I don't know about the circumstances that have happened to me in the last couple of days, but I know this. If I can find Jesus, it shall be well. Why? Because he makes all things well. Come on, I need somebody to clap your hands if you believe that right now. He makes all things well. See, you're in the right place, and this is the right time. The Lord is here, and where the Lord is, anything can happen. But it all really banks on what you're saying right now in your head. What words are you speaking in your mind? Are you affirming your fears? Are you assuming the worst? Are you validating every obstacle that you have in front of you, perceived or real? Are you overestimating the challenge? Are you agreeing with the worst case scenario? Here's what I'll tell you. I think you are what you think. You either free yourself or you feed yourself. One or the other. When you speak to yourself, it matters what you say. Now, you can say all those things and agree with all those negative influences, or you can be like this woman and say, I know it's going to be well. Or you can stand with Apostle Paul and realize that I, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He's not talking about physical strongholds. He's talking about mental strongholds. And he says, those weapons of God cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and that that sort of thinking brings into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. She said, if I touch him, I will be healed. If I touch him, it's going to be well. I wonder if you can say that to yourself today. I don't know what your circumstance is, but somehow in your mind and maybe let it get out of your mouth. If I could touch him today, it's going to be well. If I can get a hold of him today, I don't care what this world says. I don't care if it's going up and going on for 12 years. If I can touch him. Let's for a moment be intellectually honest, at least for a moment. The truth is, she was not new to faith. She put her faith in a lot of things, right? She put her faith in a lot of physicians. Enough faith, here you go, somebody, to put her money where her mouth was. Enough faith to do more than just watch the infogram. She ordered the product, and she lost again and again. She had faith in a lot of things. She heard it was just a matter of putting her faith in the right thing. You see, here's what we must understand today. and I hope, you can, hope I can say this right. The mechanics of faith in God is just as easy as having faith in some other thing. It works the same way. There are some people that have faith in themselves. There are people that have faith in other people. We, we demonstrate faith all the time in the government. I don't know why sometimes, but we do. We, we demonstrate faith in professionals. We get sick, some of you, you just go to the doctor. Why? Because we have faith he can help us. We have, we have faith in nature. You got, some of you got faith in weather forecasts. Yes, you do. Don't you shake your head, Chantel. If the weather says it's going to rain tomorrow, you're going to put a coat on them kids. Even if it doesn't, you'd say, oh, well, because you got faith that it might be possible. Do you realize how many times that you drive faith in your life? All I'm saying is, is Jesus worth a try versus the weatherman versus government versus people? I can tell you his track record is way better. I can trust him with my marriage. I can trust him with my kids. I can trust him with my heart. I can trust him with my sickness. I can trust him with my mind. Jesus said, you're good at reading the weather, he told the Pharisees, the signs. You say red sky tonight means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather. But you can't read the obvious signs of the times. In fact, the mechanics of having faith in Jesus to help you is actually easier than anything else. Because once you start in, here's what Jesus said. If you have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed. Whew, it takes a lot of faith to have faith in some of these other things, but even just a small amount of faith. He said, you can move mountains and cast them into seas because nothing will be impossible to you. So what was the result of all these things? What was the result of thinking the right thoughts? What was the result of, of getting rid of the stuff that doesn't work? What was the result of reaching toward him and pressing through his words. She came, she touched the fringe of his garment, Luke chapter eight, and immediately her issue, her malady, her sickness stopped. 
And one of the neatest parts of this story is when Jesus said in the middle of this throng, remember, a throng that was almost suffocating him, said, who touched me? I still laugh. I've heard it preached. I preached it myself. I still laugh when I read that. Who touched me? Even the disciples, you can hear the disdain and the amazement in their voice. What do you mean, who touched you? we got this crowd everywhere. The things are jostling around. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. There's a difference between a nudge and there's a difference between a push and there's a difference between that and a reach. And I know a reach when I feel one. And somebody reached. And when they reached, there was virtue that went out of me. And something happened. Can I tell you right now, all God is looking for from you is a reach and there is something automatic that happens in the heavens God makes the connection and meets the need it wasn't her method it wasn't her approach it wasn't her timing it was her authentic faith and that's what Jesus wanted to showcase that's why Jesus stopped the crowd and that's why Jesus made sure this was in three out of four gospels this is how you do it. This is real what I'm preaching about. This is real life. This isn't just, this isn't just a, a community of support. This is not only just a network of friends. This is not just a place of refuge, of peace, and a sanctuary of rest. This is reality for man's soul. This is what the old timers used to say, the old ship of Zion. This is Noah building an ark in the middle of a flood, an impending flood that's coming because of the judgment of God. This is the church. This is the bride. What I'm talking about in touching Jesus, this is eternal life. And thus it becomes very important to turn your eyes toward the one that truly can make a difference. I want you to stand with me here this morning. Some things will suck everything from you and not only give you nothing in return, they'll make things worse. Other thoughts in your mind can lead you to not just less than desirable results, they can lead you to destruction. The lack of effort, of wanting to press through the desire to conform and not be different or sneered at or, or thought of as eccentric or thought of as, as over the top. Those types of things can keep you from ever pressing, truly pressing through your world to find him. Here's what I say. Let's do what she did. Let, let, let's get rid of the things that, that, are, that are absolutely trying to, to destroy us and make things worse. Let's change our position. Let's not, let's not get further away. Let's, let's see what it takes to get closer. Let's press through the crowd and the, the noise of this world. Let's change the way that we think. In other words, there's an old hymn, and I gotta ask Nate to help me because my singing voice went away a long time ago. But there's a song that says, Turn your eyes on you. I know that song. 